Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. It is such a gift to see all of you this morning. Thank you for joining us, and uh, let me be hopefully not the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. Um, How many of you, I want you to think, what is something that if it happened right now would make you just want to jump up and celebrate? Just start cheering, super excited. Maybe it's something where you won the lottery. I don't know if there are any lottery players out there. Uh, if it started snowing outside, maybe kept the same temperature, but it started to snow. I bet there would be some celebrating. Uh, if you heard that you got an extra week with no school, that would be more celebrating, right? Uh, or uh, you heard that your property taxes dropped by 90% in 2023. Very, I knew I knew that one would get a good reaction. Yes, property taxes dropping. Okay. Uh, sometimes I feel like when we celebrate, we look uh, a little crazy. We might jump around or run. And, and there's no place where that is more clear than whenever we watch sports. So I've taken a video. I've edited a little bit. And uh, I hope you enjoy this video where we see this is a game that was played a few years ago. It's going to get a little loud at one point, but uh, a game that happened where you there are a lot of videos of fans having a crazy reaction to this last second miracle play. It's called The Miracle in Minneapolis, so I hope you enjoy watching. And now 10 seconds remain in what could be a heartbreaking loss for the Vikings. Thrilling come from behind win for the Saints. Winner goes to Philly. Only 10 seconds left. You have to get out of bounds. There's no way you can get the ball spiked. 10 seconds to go. 24 23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. Three receivers right, field and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the hole. Give me a miracle. Please, Keenum, give me a miracle. sports that much. I would never do anything like that. But I do have another video that if you can't relate to that video, that's a a video I I clipped together a few celebration videos and I think you might be able to relate to this one also.
mic, take it, and you can turn the lights back on. So, it was funny, when I was trying to make that video in the, uh, uh, at the house, Landry Joe said, Daddy, are you watching a, a movie about wolves? Because in that last video, he's like, <laughs> Okay, so, as you can see, lots of excitement and energy. When we're excited, you know, we just forget that where we are and we're, we're jumping around, we're running, we're singing, we're, and, and this, I want to, I wanted to watch these videos because this is what you need to be thinking of when you read Mary's song in Luke. In Luke, we have this passage where it has Mary's song, and we read it every Christmas, or hopefully we do, and what we've got to realize is she is celebrating because she's received this incredible announcement that she is going to bear the Son of God, the King, the, the King that was promised, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So with that in mind, with this excitement of, this is amazing news, I can't believe it. I want you to think of that while we read from Luke chapter 1, Mary's song. Picture her, she's probably dancing around, she's so excited. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has filled up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. So, one of the things we talked about this passage last week, and and I, I loved what we talked about last week, but there was something I purposely didn't really emphasize because I was saving it for this week. And, and the question you may be wondering as you read that passage is, why did Mary add all that weird stuff in there, in her song? If, if, I, were, if I were imagining, like say I was writing a book and a woman was proclaiming her excitement it, or, or news that Mary just got, it might have, the song probably would have gone like, God, you are great. I'm so nervous about what's about to happen to me, but I'm excited that I will get to be a mother, which is the greatest honor in her time and her culture. I hope that he grows up to be faithful, to be strong, to be wise. I don't know how this will work, but I'm excited to see what God's going to do. This is what I would picture. But yet we get all this stuff about, about mighty deeds with his arm and scattering those who are proud, bringing down rulers from their thrones, filling the hungry with good things. But sending the rich away empty, why Why does he add all this? And that's the question that we're going to be talking about for the rest of the sermon. So today we're going to do three things. First, we're going to remember to celebrate, if you're a note taker. One, remember to celebrate. Number two, know why we celebrate. And number three, accept an incredible invitation from God. So first, we remember to celebrate. We just watched a couple videos about celebrating. And Luke, he is doing a cool thing here with these, this song where if you look at Luke chapter 1 and how he set it up, he's been doing some awesome storytelling where he parallels two stories with Jesus. And who's the other person that's paralleled in the stories of Jesus at the beginning of Luke? You've got John the Baptist, his cousin. He's doing some cool things here. So let me, let me play it out for you. A messenger comes and makes an announcement to Zechariah and says, Your wife in her old age will have a son. His name will be John the Baptist. Then a messenger comes and tells Mary, you will have a son. And and it's kind of cool. It's like Elizabeth in her old age has not been able to have a child, and now Mary in her very, very young age of 
12 to 14 years old, she is going to have a son. And a beautiful parallel. Then we have Zechariah. He sings this song of triumph. And Mary has a song of triumph. And I think part of what's so cool about this song, too, is I want you to imagine Mary going to visit her aunt that she's known her whole life who has not been able to have a child. And here she is as a 14-year-old already having a child. You can imagine the awkwardness that could have been present at this. Like, hey, aunt, I know this is something that you have had this weight that you've been bearing your whole life. And yet here I am and already I've got this situation. And guess what? That's not what happens. Why isn't it what happens? It's because Elizabeth is excited for her. When, when Mary shows up, the baby in her womb leaps for joy. They're excited. They're singing a song of what they're getting to do together. Instead of awkwardness, there's a song of celebration and triumph. And so these songs, one of the things that you should you would recognize reading Luke if you, if you grew up reading your Old Testament like people did back then, is these are filled with echoes from the Old Testament's psalms and prophets. A lot of Mary's song sounds a lot like Miriam's song, which is where the name Mary. Why is Mary such a popular name in the Bible? Because Moses' sister's name is Miriam. And she, whenever they cross into the across the Red Sea, she sings a song, and it's very similar. Uh, Mary's song is very similar to Hannah's song, whenever God tells her that she's going to have Samuel. And so you see these echoes from the Psalms and the prophets showing how these children, John the Baptist and Jesus, would fulfill God's ancient promises. The poems themselves kind of preview each of their roles. Tim Mackey says, because you read Zechariah's song, we see that John is the prophetic messenger promised in the Old Testament and the prophet who is going to prepare Israel and the world to meet their God. Jesus, because of his songs, is the messianic king promised to David who's going to bring God's reign over Israel and God's blessing to the nations, just like he promised Abraham. So the first thing we do is we celebrate. The second thing we do is we got to know why we're celebrating. Why, why is Mary celebrating like this? Because it sure seems like she could just be saying, I'm pumped about having a baby. Or you could go a totally different direction with this sermon and say she's completely and totally scared about having this child because she knows no one's going to believe her when she says, well, actually, the Holy Spirit is the reason why I'm pregnant. You could, you could see it from that standpoint. But the reason why she's singing this song, first, we talked about it last week, because she believes that the promises that the people of Israel have been waiting for have been fulfilled in her. And then the second thing is, is that the revel, the second thing, or is, I'm going to give you a clue of what the second thing is. Uh, Part of the question is, there's something that I didn't emphasize last week very much. And it was something that, last week we talked about how each and every one of us know what it feels like to be waiting for God to do something in our lives. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must I carry this life full of sorrow? And I talked about you and me going through things where we feel like we're waiting for God's promises. But... This week, what I want to focus on is what, in my opinion, what Mary is focusing on, which is that her people, the people of Israel, not her personally, but the people of Israel, have been waiting for a long time for this, and their waiting is over. And Luke chapter 2 gives us a clue about what they're waiting for. At the beginning of Luke chapter 2, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while 
Hurrianus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Luke is awesome because in Luke and Acts, we see he set the stage right off the bat that who is the person that the world thinks is king? It's Caesar Augustus. And now we're going to have this awesome story of the birth of a king, but it's not Caesar. Caesar's not the king. We've got Jesus. And so right off the bat, the thing that we've got to say, I'm going to read from uh, N.T. Wright wrote something that is just, I couldn't have put it any better, so I'm just going to read this, and you can follow along. This is why Mary is celebrating, because she knows the revolution is the, the, rebel, the revolution has started. Why did Mary launch into a song like this? What has the news of her son got to do with God's strong power overthrowing the power structures of the world, demolishing the mighty and exalting the humble? Mary and Elizabeth shared a dream. It was an ancient dream. One, uh, it was an ancient dream of Israel. The dream that one day all that the prophets had said would come true. One day Israel's God would do all that he had said to Israel's earliest ancestors. All nations would be blessed through Abraham's family. But for that to happen, the powers that kept the world in slavery had to be toppled. Nobody would normally thank God for blessing them if they were poor, hungry, enslaved, and miserable. God would have to win a victory over the bullies, the power brokers, the forces of evil, which people like Mary and Elizabeth knew all too well. Living as they did in the dark days of Herod the Great, whose casual brutality was backed up by the threat of Rome. Mary and Elizabeth, like so many Jews of their time, searched the scripture and soaked themselves in the songs and prophetic writings which spoke of mercy, hope, fulfillment, reversal, revolution, victory over evil, and of God coming to rescue at last. And I can, I can picture you thinking, that sounds great, Drew. That sounds really wonderful for those people. But some of us, including myself, maybe can't really relate to feeling enslaved. Some of us maybe can't really relate to feeling hungry. Some of you maybe can't relate to feeling poor, to feeling held under the thumb of someone more powerful than you far away. And what I want to encourage you is that just because we can't relate to that doesn't mean that that is not a central part of the Christmas message when we read Mary's song, a central part of the gospel, the good news of Christ's coming. If you can't relate, relate to this, I did a little bit of research, and according to studies, 49.6 million people in the world today live in modern slavery, forced labor or forced marriage, and most of those people are children and all the rest, a great majority of those people are children. If you can't relate to this, let me tell you that 828 people in the world go to bed hungry every night. According to the U.S. Department of State, there are 24.9 million people who are victim to sex trafficking across the world any given day. Now, I didn't, I didn't bring all those up to you because I'm about to tell you you should sign up to donate money to something. But what I'm trying to tell you is, is that you may, may not be able to relate to Mary's song about God breaking the powers and lifting up the humble. But guess what? There are millions of people who all over the world need Mary's song. There are millions of people who they need it to give them hope that at the arrival of Christ, those things are not going to win in the end. You following me? So one question, though, that I do think we can all relate to is that if, if you still can't relate to any of those, I think um, a lot of people ask this question 
that we experience at different times in our lives. We may not say these words out loud, but we have experienced injustice in the world. And what we do is we ask, if God is all-powerful and God is all-good, then why do these things keep happening? God, have you noticed some of this stuff, some of these shootings that are happening? Like, if you're all-good and all-powerful, couldn't you have stopped that from happening? When you see this person going through this brokenness in their life and they're such a good person... And you see this person that's, you know, a terrible person and everything's going great for them. And we say, God, couldn't you have figured this out if you're so good and great? And what I want to tell you is, is that Mary's song, she is celebrating because she believes within her, in her womb, the revolution has began that will put an end to that. That will put an end to the power structures that seem out of our control coming to an end. In verse 51, I'll read it again. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. This kingdom that Jesus is bringing is turning everything upside down. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. The king who was promised that she and the rest of Israel have been waiting for, they will soon learn, as we see throughout the rest of the Gospels, that the revolution has come, but... It's not going to look exactly like what they were expecting. You've heard that sermon before. They were expecting someone to come in and conquer Rome, kick them out, come in on a war horse. It's not going to be what they expect, but it is going to be what they need. They may not know that the, the answer to why there is so much bad going on, but they will know that God said, I'm going to come, and the way that I'm going to break these powers is by entering into the brokenness, coming in this humble state of a servant, and that's how I'm going to talk about this. I know that in the song, I love the song. If ever you're preaching a Christmas sermon, just read some of these Christmas hymns that we've been singing because they can just say the words for you. This is why we celebrate. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Ransom captive. This song is one that I don't feel this at Christmas time. I don't feel like I'm a captive. I don't feel like I'm in lonely exile, but people all over the world do. And so the last thing I want to focus on, last thing I want to say that I love about this, about what Mary is doing in this, is she is accepting the invitation to be a part of this turning the world upside down. Mary is poor. And I don't just mean poor like, oh, you know, she's not well off. No, she is peasant poor. She is a nobody. She is in the middle of nowhere. Nazareth is not, I heard a preacher say this recently, Nazareth is not where any companies are looking to relocate their headquarters. Okay? It's the middle of nowhere. She is a 12 to 14 year old girl, zero social status, zero power. And yet, she believes that she is carrying in her womb the promise that will end all that the people have been waiting for. The answer to generations of longing. Her song is revolutionary because she believes that the revolution of God is coming. And her song is even more revolutionary because she believes she is playing an essential part. And so I want you to think about that. That we have that same invitation. How cool is it that when God decided to come, I'm going to come and fulfill all this. He didn't come to Caesar. He didn't show up at the palace. He showed up to this lowly peasant girl in a stable. He showed up in a, a manger, in a feeding trough for animals. And it, it gives us this invitation by saying that 
When God decides he's going to change the world, he doesn't go to the most powerful man in the world. He doesn't go to the most powerful systems. He goes to nobodies like me and nobodies like you. I know you came here this morning to hear that you're a nobody. But guess what? It's a cool thing to know because God says, I work through nobodies. I'm going to begin this. I'm going to start to bring this gospel. You know, one thing I love what Butch said in his message, the gospel is for God so loved the world that he came and forgave. The part of the gospel that I know we often don't also remember is that Jesus didn't just die for that side of the grave, but he died for people on this side of the grave too, to bring healing, to feed, to clothe, to set the captive free. And that's what Mary's song is about. So I want to encourage you, and like, uh, like we see in this story, God comes to Mary, says, I'm going to work in you. And her, her answer is, may your will be done to your servant. And we get the same opportunity to say, God, I believe we can begin this revolution by God working in our story. When we say, may your work be done in me, may your will be done in me, that I can be a part of this. Or maybe the way Jesus would say it is, come and follow me. So if any of you have any prayer requests, I'd encourage you to find one of us for prayers as we stand and sing this song.